chose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the th ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we enter into this book of Jonah, there are lots of characters that are going to come into play. So we're going to have Jonah, who we know. We're going to have God. And, and those are the two main characters, and we're going to see them throughout the whole entirety of the book. But then we have these first mariners that we're going to encounter. We've got a big giant fish that we're going to encounter. We have the people of Nineveh that we're going to encounter. And then we even have a little worm at the end of the book. But it's good to know that throughout all of the book, we're going to recognize that Jonah and God are the main characters. They're the ones that have the most interaction together. And so our story begins. Jonah, sitting there minding his own business, perhaps had done the work of being a prophet before to Israel, had told them things that God needed to tell them. And so he's relaxing, resting, or perhaps he's working or he's eating. And he hears God say to him, Jonah, I've got a job for you. And Jonah, of course, says, yes, Lord. What do you have for me to do? And he says, I need you to arise and go to the great city of Nineveh and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And perhaps Jonah goes, I beg your pardon? <laughs> what was that? I need you to go to your sworn enemy, who I recognize is evil. And I want you to go tell them that I recognize that they are evil. Now Jonah, in his mind, is probably taking a couple of things into account. The first one is, have I gone off? <laughs> is this really the Lord telling me to go talk to my enemy? Is this really the Lord telling me to go do something that makes absolutely no sense at all? Is this really the Lord who has told me to go challenge my own people, now telling me to go to the people that seek to destroy us and tell them something from my God, the one true God, the God who I know reigns over all of the other gods that they have in their minds, that this is the one. And only true God challenging me, telling me to go do this. Is that really what I'm hearing? And then, very quickly, he recognizes it is. So what must I do? Probably every other time that Jonah had heard God say to him, I need you to go tell Israel this, he went and did it. But instead, Jonah says, no, that's not what I'm going to do. Jonah says, I've got to run off. I've got to get as far away as possible. The text tells us that he says, I want to get out of the 
presence of God. So here's one who has been serving God that says, you're going to send me someplace that doesn't make any sense at all. And so my response to that is to go as far away from your presence as I can possibly get. And rightfully so. (laughs) Because Nineveh and the Assyrians were bloodlust conquerors. They were those who took over countries like locusts take over the land. They sought to destroy everything, to bring people in and assimilate them so that they would fall underneath the empire the way that they wanted them to fall underneath the empire. These were not kind people. It's no wonder that their evil had shown up before God, that he saw them and said, oh, I can't let this go on any longer. And so he runs. Now, there's a couple of things that we need to recognize as we jump into this for ourselves today. As we try and hear what is God trying to tell us through this story of Jonah. And I think the first thing that we need to come to understand is when we read this, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. The contemporary English version puts it this way. One day, the Lord told Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh and say to the people, the Lord has seen your terrible sins. You are doomed. Now, what do we say about our Father God here a lot? That he pursues us in steadfast love. So when we hear this calling out to Jonah saying, the message you're going to tell them is that I love them and I want them to change. Nope. The message that I want you to tell them is that I'm ready to forgive them. Nope. The message I want you to tell them is that I recognize that they're evil and they're doomed. Does that sound compassionate? No. But let's think about it. As my child is reaching up towards the stove and their hand is oh so close to the fire and I say you're going to get burned am I being compassionate or am I proclaiming their destruction I'm letting them know the natural consequence of moving towards that flame I'm saying this is what is going to take place if you continue the path that you're going. And so there is in some sense as we look at this passage when God calls out and says, I need you to go to Nineveh and tell them I recognize their evil and that I need you to speak against it as the ESV says. Speak against it. Call out to them. Destruction is coming. Now, this destruction that is coming is the natural consequence of the way that they're living. You see, their minds and their hearts, their souls, their whole experiences is about their pleasure, about their rule, about their understanding of how the world should operate. The way that they're able to dehumanize everybody else that they come in contact with is by elevating their own self above everything else. 
in saying, my way is the only way, and I will do it through might and power. And as they continued to walk that path, they would then turn towards each other. Because somebody finally has to be the top dog. Somebody has to say, no, no, I'm the ruler of the world. In the VeggieTales episode of this that they wrote, the, the book, the, the, I mean the movie, the great thing about it is they show them slapping each other's with fish. That, that Nineveh was basically a group of people, well vegetables in this case, slapping each other with fish. How profound really. They were not just against the world. They were also against each other. That there was this place where ultimately their hearts were so turned in on themselves that destruction was coming because they were going to be given over to the destruction that they had set the course for. Now, at the same time, we do need to recognize that that course is predicated on the rule of God. So God says, no, I'm God, I'm the one and only true God, and I have called you and created you and made you to follow me. And so if you don't follow me, then there are consequences that come by not. If you elevate yourself or you elevate something else in my place, then it will turn bad for you. And so out of compassion, God says, go to Nineveh. We know this is the case because we know later in the book we're going to see how Jonah refers to this call. Spoiler alert, let me just give you what he says. In chapter 4, after Nineveh has changed their hearts and minds and said we need to repent from the way that we're living, Jonah says, see God, This is why I didn't want to come. Because I knew you would be merciful. So we're not just reading into this some sort of new uh, desire to have an all-compassionate God all the time. In the book itself, it's God's compassion that causes Jonah to say, I don't want to be in your presence. Actually, he gave him a great thing for an enemy to say to another enemy. You're going to die. <laughs> you would think that if that was to your enemy, you would want to go say that. But he knew that it was not out of vengeance or to take something away from them. It was being said to turn them back towards him. So that's the first thing we see about God in this passage. This main character is that in his compassion, sometimes it sounds like I love you and I want you to sit on my lap and I need you. And sometimes it sounds like don't reach up for that fire. You will get burned. Don't go across that street. You will get hit. And so for us, we must be attentive in our hearts, and our spirits to know when God is that sit on my lap God and when God is that don't do that God and recognize that they're both from compassion to bring us back 
to who he created us to be. The second thing that we see is Jonah decides to get out of the presence of God. He says, I've got to get out of here. There's no way that I can stay here. And like I said, rightfully so. But God called him to that. Now you have probably not experienced what Jonah experienced. The way that um, David Benjamin Blower in his book called The Sympathy for Jonah puts it is this. He says, the book of Jonah calls upon the powerless, being Jonah, and asks them for nothing less than a proactive compassion for the utterly tyrannical despots of the empire. The book seems to have a counterintuitive idea of where history's real power lies and where its real wretchedness is. And all of this is from a religious text. It is no wonder that even the book's protagonist, Jonah, from start to finish cannot accept the kind of politics being suggested here. That he's not being called to call destruction on people, but rather he is called to go to the terrible other in search for the image of God. Probably you've not been there. (laughs) But maybe you have. There are places in each one of our lives where we have heard God calling us and saying that we need to step into places that are going to be hard and difficult. Things that we run the risk of being damaged or hurt. That There are places and events that happen in our lives that we say we can't possibly walk through these things. And God says, yes, I will be with you and walk through this with you. And so like Jonah, we have every intention to run away. Because we don't want to go forward in what God has commanded. We say it's impossible to do what Jesus called us to do. What did Jesus call us to do? To lay down our lives. All of our desires, all of the way that we want to live, the way that we want our lives to go, that gets laid down so that we can live in God and the direction that His desire is for us. And that means there are going to be times where we have to forgive people who we don't want to forgive. Where we have to engage with grace and compassion where we've been hurt. That we also have to stand up and challenge the empire and say, destruction's coming. If you continue to walk in the path that you're walking. Sometimes that's large mega things and sometimes that's individual heart things. How much more often when I look at the world out there, if I were to put on God's glasses to see me clearly, I would recognize that my anger towards the injustice that is out there needs to actually be focused on the injustice in my own heart and the way that I perceive other people. I step in the place of Jonah and go, I don't want to do that. And I seek to run away. Some of us do that by avoiding people that walk with God. (laughs) We decide that it's best not to hang out with those other God botherers. I don't want to be near them. I don't want to hear from them. Sometimes we do it by being as religious and righteous as we can be. 
That we think if we do all the right things, if we tick all the right boxes, then it's not that we are hiding from God necessarily, but we're definitely saying, you owe me. You can't ask anything of me. Right? You, you, I've done so much already. Oh, how quickly that seeps into my heart. Don't you see what I've done? Aren't you sure? We see that happening to Jonah here in this passage. We watch what takes place in his heart. So he goes as far away as he can possibly go. He says, I want to get out of the presence of God. But God is still present. And here again is compassion. This doesn't make sense to us. He sends a great wind upon the sea. And there's a mighty tempest on the sea. And so that the ship is threatened to break up. The way the Hebrew talks about it is that the ship knows that it's going to break up. That's how forceful this is. How is that compassion? Well, see, God knows what happens next. That's the hard part for us. We see the ship. We're like the mariners. We're the ones going, we've got to throw everything over. We need to pray to the things that have helped us in the past. What are the things that I've done that have helped me in the past? What are the things that I can do to make this stop? But what is Jonah doing? Jonah has gone from the position of judging those who had been turned so far on themselves to becoming one who has turned so far on himself that in the midst of a storm where sea mariners, mariners who who know the waves, who know the sea, are frightened. And he goes down to take a nap. How callous can you be to the concerns of others? How much can you be so turned on yourself that when danger comes to those around you, you think it's better just to go lay down? That's what he does. See, he wants to get outside of the presence of God so much that he forgets who he is. We are created by God to be for the other. And here Jonah, in the midst of a storm, goes and he takes a nap because he wants to be out of the presence of God so much that he loses his own identity. I'm to be for the others. (laughs) And yet he cares not for those who are actually saving his life or taking him to the place that he wants to go are helping him get away from the presence of God. They're his allies. He's roped these pagans in (laughs) to running away from God. Where is it that we stand with Jonah in that place? That we have to allow God to come in with a storm sometimes to wake us up to the fact that we've lost our identity of who we are in Him. That He has called us forth. David, in Psalm 139, writes this. O Lord, You have searched me and You know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar 
Do you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted, acquainted with all of my ways? Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Oh, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me and, and the light about me by night, even the darkness is not dark to you the night is bright as the day for darkness is a light with you this is a comfort to us in the storm God is pursuing in his steadfast love in the calling out of Nineveh to point out their path towards destruction. It is his continual pursuit in steadfast love. He comes forth and with David we can say, while I desire to be in the darkest of dark places so you can't see me, I recognize that darkness is light to you. And there's no place I can go that you will not see. And that is a comfort to us because when we get outside of the view of God in our minds and on our hearts, we lose who we were made to be. Because God knows who we are and God works to bring about who we are in him. God calls us by name, just as he said to Jonah, Jonah. And so we rest knowing that there will be hard things that we walk through. There will be difficult things that we need to encounter. There will be places where we'll need to forgive. And there will be places where we'll need to repent. There will be things that we seem to be too hard. But God is faithful. And even when we decide to try and get outside of his presence, he will not stop pursuing. He won't let go. He continues to come. He continues to search until finally we say, which we'll see in chapter 2, oh, I see you, and now I know who I am. Let me pray for us. Father God, you are good, and all you do is good. We ask you to hold on to us because we are weary. We are sometimes weary of what you call us to live in. We are sometimes weary of where you are leading us. We need to know that you know us, and better yet, we need to know who we are in you. So continue to pursue us, as you always do in your steadfast love. Father, if there's anything that's not of you, we just ask that it burns up and goes away. But if there are things that are from you today, we ask that they take root in our heart and bear good fruit and bring glory and honor to you. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand up and sing.